There seems to be some kind of disturbance. I'm gonna go check it out. We request that everybody stays calm at the current moment. Who are you people? I want a coffee! You, you, you are now to 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 Where love and life come together. together. From the Spacebird Media Studios, it's Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. Hey, we're Roxanne and Ace Unlimited, brought to you by Birmingham Mortgage and My Brother's Cup. Welcome to Good Friday. Happy Easter weekend. This is what it's all about all year long. This is, we're going to find out later what the good and Good Friday is all about, but we're just ready. It's going to be a big weekend for families and coming through Lent. Hopefully you've had a great one, but uh, we're ready for it. I'm ready for it. You ready? I am ready. And we need some relief because quite frankly, the news cycle has been mm. to me really depressing. Yeah, We've got the first sitting or former president in U.S. history to face criminal charges. And I'm going to be cynical on our Good Friday podcast. Here's my thought. When you get to this level of politics, they mm. all do it. There's somebody paying somebody for something. And I think it's why they've asked Biden 15 times what he thinks. He didn't have a lot to say because, let's face it, his son Hunter and some of that stuff that's going on, they all have it. And Mitt Romney, who cannot stand Donald Trump and thinks he's immorally unfit to be president, said this is a big, fat joke. It's a joke. This won't stick. And America looks and goes, what's next? They want to stop Donald Trump with charges that won't matter. And I really worried that we would see some horrendous mugshot of our former president. And Mm. all I could think, Ace, was where is the dignity of the presidency of the greatest country in the world? Sure. And I, I don't speak from out of nowhere on that. As a cub reporter in Chicago, the first president I covered was Ronald Reagan. Mm-hmm. And there was dignity. There was respect. There was a president when he walked in the room, no one said a word. You did yeah. not interrupt Ronald Reagan. Well, respect. and you bring, yeah, Where's and you bring respect? A- yeah, you bring up a good point, though, because if if the magnifying glass is going to go on people because he was the loudest or the one that annoyed you the most, you know, it, you know, everybody reaps and sows what they're doing. So just know that if they can come after a president, they can come after anyone. So, again, our prayers for the whole involvement, just because it's it is the beginning of what I think is a very big black eye for America, for what we look like from a leadership perspective, what that says about the underlining surrounding leadership. There's a, there's a lot of moving parts, but uh, uh, we'll keep you posted as that is. And, and as we head into Easter weekend, this is the time to definitely be in a moment of prayer and repentance. Absolutely. And questions that will deepen our understanding of God. Mm. Like, is there anything about Jesus and his teachings that offend me? You know, Jesus actually said that to the disciples, they were complaining. And he said, does this offend you? And it's when that tender spot gets touched in us, when we're offended, 
that we need to really examine what it is that offends us and why. Well, and so many times the church is seen as, well, you guys are just judgmental. You tell me I can't do this and I can't. No, the Bible says you shouldn't do those things if you want to have a peaceful, harmonized relationship with God. And if you are feeling that stirred spirit, it's not a judgment of the church. It is God's word working within you to say, let's root these things out so that you and I can be closer. Another question is, can my baggage be used for something better? You know, here's poor Moses. He's an old man. He doesn't speak clearly. He's Mm -hmm. like, what? Me? I'm a murderer. I did this. I can't even talk. There's that. And then us with our baggage. God may want us to do something. He may want to use us in some way. He may want our our misery to be a message. And yet we hesitate. God takes our weakest and most painful places. He shows his grace and his strength. Second Corinthians 12, nine. You know, if he came back right now, if Jesus walked in, it wouldn't be to the stained glass church. Right. Would it? I don't think so. No. And the thing that hopefully, you know, Lent is supposed to be about 40 days of better habits, right? Or, or a sacrifice so that we were able to hear God more clearly. The beautiful thing about being a follower of Christ is that we can commune with God daily. But think about this. Think about when you've had to sit down with your kids, or maybe when you were a kid, your parents sat down with you because you had to be reprimanded for things that you weren't doing right. It didn't mean that they didn't love you or that you don't love your kids. It meant it means, hey, I, I want better for you. You can be better. I made you to be better. And that's what we have to think about heading into Easter weekend is what is it that needs to be rooted out so that we can have that closeness with God so that as you walk through the day, there's not just the 15 minutes in the morning that you spent with him. You're spending the whole day in conversation. So the question is, how was God present in me today? And it's one focus that I've changed. Instead of a to-do list, Mm -hmm. I'm determined to have a to-be list. Who do I want to be today? Do I want to be a reflection of Jesus or am I busy with my own agenda? Mm, Is there something he wants to do with me and through me? Mm -hmm. And am I open to that? Am I willing to be obedient in that way? I think that's a question I need to be asking every single day. You know what? If you are house hunting, and you're a first-time home buyer. It's scary. I remember that thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm never going to be able to do this. The paperwork. The, it's like looking in your molars. I'm never going to qualify. This is never going to work. And I remember the panic. And then I remember Birmingham Mortgage Group and to renewal. And the fact that he'll tell you, there's something you need to change. Let's change it. And then he goes after the program that, that saves you a big bunch of money. He's such a godly man, and he's so smart, and this is the way to go, Birmingham Mortgage Group. Yeah, Roxanne and I are both in our homes because of Turin and his team, and they find the special programs that work for you, whether this is your first home or your umpteenth home or your refinancing, whatever you need to do to get in a better financial situation. Check them out online, bhammortgage.com or call 205 205- 259-1656. That's 205-259-1656. Birmingham Mortgage Group. Tell them you heard about it on Roxanna and Ace Unlimited. So Ace, this doesn't apply to you at all. 
reasons people don't like you that you're not aware of. Oh, there's ace haters out there right now. They're just, mm, I find let that me hard tell to you what he did. But I do one of these and it really kind of messes with me. All right, here mm-hmm. we, we'll only do a few of them. I'll tell you the one I'm guilty of, probably five of them, but there's one that stands out that makes me laugh. You lack manners. That's not the one. I hope I have manners. Sure you do. You know, uh, you curse excessively. You know, that isn't a good plan. Uh, you have a sense of entitlement. Um, yeah. Wow. I, I will say there was a time that I felt <laughs> entitled. Like, I felt like I had really? earned things or some wow. kind of status, which, again, you know, we talk about the thing that, you know, God has to set you down and go, we got to pluck this out, boy, because it ain't right. And he did. And it 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 hurt and stung and it's healed now. But again, we have to go through those things because if we are supposed to be the best version of ourselves with Christ reflection out of us, we have to know what are those things that tend to be the repellent that makes people not want to spend time with us. Then they don't get to know the Jesus side at all. You're going to laugh at this one because it's, it's just terrible. You only text. Mm. Yeah. But then they're on the flip side. There's people that only call. Yeah. People need to call each other. Yeah. I, I, it, depending upon how much time I have, I might call you, but if it is just a quick exchange or just a, you know, if I know they're busy, I'll go, Hey, just want to let you know, think about you, love you. Or, Hey, can we talk tonight? Yeah, sure. No problem. You know, just be considerate, be compassionate, be gracious. And you use poor hygiene. If a man has long fingernails or toenails, I just want to run. Just clip those things, <laughs> please. Sure. If you're selfish, if you're unsupportive, if you're too competitive, if you never pay people back, oh, you know what? If I give money to a friend, I will never see it again, and I don't want to give it like I expect to get it back. Yeah. I have come to the mindset, because I've been the person who gave, and someone said, hey, uh, if you can just let me lend it today, I get paid Friday, I'll give it to you. That was 12 years ago. Never saw that money again. (laughs) So if you just condition yourself to a place where if you're loaning money or giving money, don't think of it as a loan. Just think, hey, you need it. God's blessed me enough that I have it right now to just give it to you. And, And then the beautiful thing is God will in abundance give you not only the peace because you're not chasing after, hey, you by chance have that 50 bucks, that 100 bucks, that $1,000. Just let it go. You were blessed enough to have it. Just gift it and don't worry about it. And then see how he blesses you in that way. So we were talking about money. Mm-hmm. So a mother has gone viral. She has three kids. And she said she spends, listen to this, $47,000 a year on each kid and everybody's like, well, you're wealthy, la, la, la. But if you look at it, she's paying for expensive daycare. Mm -hmm. One child is doing cheerleading. Another's in the band. Another does travel sports. All what you pay for travel sports. You might as well. It's a house payment. And so they start screaming at this poor lady, of course, on TikTok. Saying, yeah. yeah, right, real world problems. We're just trying to eat. 
but she laid out why it's that much money. Mm -hmm. I remember paying for daycare at one point thinking, I can't work anymore. I can't right. afford to work. Right? Yeah. Well, and a lot of times that is the case. The extra salary that's coming in is going all for childcare between gas, commuting to and from picking your kids up and then you and to and from work and then paying the monthly expense. It's there. But I, I don't even want to think about the amount of money that we spend. And that's why I like when an athlete goes professional and gets like the multi-millions. I'm like, yeah, they're finally getting back what they spent <laughs> on all the lessons and all the practices yeah. and all the cleats and all the ball. Uh, it's like, it's, it's a lot. So, you know, I celebrate that, but again, kids are expensive, you know, and then people go, Oh, we'll have kids when we make more money. Mm, no, you good won't. Luck with, no, you'll never have enough money. Yeah. That's the other thing. If you wait to have kids, to you have money? You're not going to have kids. Yeah. You're just not. And you think, I used to think diapers are a car payment. Sure. Why yeah. is a diaper, a piece of plastic to put on their rump, cost what a car payment costs? And thank goodness for showers, because people gave me two closets full of diapers. And I, I don't know if our child would have had enough diapers without sure. it. Sure. I do this now whenever I'm watching like a movie or a TV show that's like of another generation and they're talking about, oh, you know, milk was a dollar twenty five or, you know, the, what the salary is four thousand a year, you know, whatever it was. I always go, OK, wait, Google, how much was four thousand dollars in 1982? And then they give me the comparative to what it would be by I'll go, wow, OK, all right. You know, like good for you, you know, <laughs> but again, the way things have changed, like you know, like diaper services and milkmen and all, you know, all that stuff's gone. But could you imagine what that would be today if we were still relying on those services? Oh, it'd be crazy. All right, Ace, I did not want to gross you out, but I did send you a photograph of the most disgusting piece of cheesecake ever created. It looks Why? Nasty. It was done in a 3D printer. And I'm sorry, it looks like something the dog left behind. And then they put they tried to put a little piece of whipped cream and that even failed. Right. So right. it looks like something got sick on something. The dog leaves. <laughs> Why would you 3d print food? You can't eat it. Here's what they're saying about that. Okay. If you have discerning taste and you want a lavender, lemon, blueberry, cherry infused flavor, then what you could do with a printer is program in. I want lavender, I want herbs, I want rosemary. And you program it in, and then it's personalized food. That this is where we're going. Okay. And so that it's real food, it's baking by lasers, but the presentation needs some work. Sure. <laughs> I mean, and it's they the asked whole... somebody what it tastes like, and they said, gum that you've chewed on for a while. Have you ever had that happen when you had family gatherings where people just go, here, try this. And it's like in your mouth before you have a chance to say no. Like, the, like, okay, fine. Don't let me look at the 3D printed cheesecake. Just shove it in my mouth and I go, ah, all right. Hey, by the way, I printed that in my office. You know, it's like, okay. Okay. And then yeah. one more weird story before we go, just because we can talk about whatever we want to on this podcast. I was appalled and I still haven't recovered from this story. It happens at a town in Italy. I've been to Rome. I've been to Tuscany. I didn't go to Evria, I believe it's pronounced. Yeah. And thank goodness I did not. 
because every winter, so it just happened, the city erupts into a ferocious ceremony that's like Mardi Gras, only they ain't throwing beads. Nope. They are pelting each other with oranges. Thousands of oranges in your hair, in your eyeball. So the reporter that covered this, a very serious, prestigious reporter, a male, is, well, in order to tell the story, I have to go to this town and do this orange pelting, okay? And there are teams equipped to pelt each other. Where does he get hit? He gets hit where no man ever wants to be hit. He's on the ground writhing, and he's like, I'm permanently damaged. I'm going to have to see a urologist, and I'll have to tell the doctor, oh, dude, dude, I was involved in an orange building. I just don't even want to think about the whelps on you from being pelted. Cause that's, I mean, that's like a small soft rock, but at a, you know, high trajectory speed is going to hurt. And then as that there's the cleanup, could the oranges have just been eaten and we made like, you know, some marmalade or something. I don't understand why this has become a thing. 8,000 people throw 900 tons of oranges at each other. And so the world has gone truly mad. And I just had never heard of this. And we just had to talk about it. And so the poor reporter, he's he's okay, but had to report that you don't want an orange coming at that area at about 100 miles an hour. (laughs) You don't want anything coming at that area. At high trajectory speed, I'll just say that right now. You just want to get a nice warm cup of Roxanne blend of coffee and just, just and chillax and, and watch pecan, someone else get it. And yeah, and and the flavors will no orange flavor in in the Roxanne blend. So you don't have to worry about that. You go to mybrotherscup.com and you click on the Roxanne blend and it sends missionaries around the world proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it's really a super cool present because you know that it's doing something good for Jesus on Good Friday. Well, it's Roxanne and Ace Unlimited being that today is Good Friday. We cannot go into Easter weekend without something for our hearts to hang on. And whether you've participated in a full Lent or not, I cannot think of anybody better than Larry Raglan to bring us our Good Friday message. Pastor, how are you, buddy? I'm doing wonderful. And mad kid, I just say, look, and I got to do this. I got to do this if I can figure it out. The crowd is going wild Ooh. for Roxanne <laughs> and Ace. See, see, I got my own studio over here too, y'all. So, so I can, I can, I can bring the crowd in. What a blessing and honor it is to be on your program. I love you guys so much. Thank you for having me. Solid Rock Church is on fire. A lot of good things happening in your life, and you're you're so so important to us. And we we tried to be very obedient during this program. For for me, and I'm sure for Ace. This is the most important message we'll have this year because the cross is Christianity. The cross is what sets us apart. The Mm. cross is what we're all about. And there's so, I still feel like so much misunderstanding about what Good Friday actually means and about what actually happened. And so you are here to clarify some of that for us. Well, I hope I can clarify, but you know, <laughs> you know, this is one of my favorite subjects to teach. And 
you know, I, I have had many times in my life, young in the Lord and in my walk with God and had people ask me, why in the world will we call it Good Friday? You know, I mean, this, because when you think about it, it's not a lot of good stuff happened that day. I mean, it was probably the most horrific uh, thing that's ever been done to a human being on that day, but it's still called Good Friday. And most believers know why it's called Good Friday, because, you know, as the old Carmen song that we all know, it may seem like Friday night, but Sunday's on the way. That's so right. we, we we know the rest of the story. Uh, so, so be it. For, for, for some people, we know the rest of the story, but do we really know the rest of the story? So if it's okay with you, I'll delve into a couple of little things here to yeah. give us the, what we would call the big picture of the rest of the story of why we really call it the Good Friday. Good Friday. So I'm going to ask a question. What's so good about Good Friday? Well, I tell our church all the time, every year I preach this, and that is, if you really want to understand the nature of God, if you really want to understand the plan of God, and quite frankly, the major events of even the life of Jesus, you have to go back, believe it or not, to Genesis. Genesis tells us so much about the heart of God, tells us so much about the will of God. It actually tells us a lot about the gospel, and it tells us a lot about Jesus. You know, we we know that the Bible says Adam was created in the image of God. I want you to think about this. It said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness, and let us give him dominion. So he makes Adam, and, and, the, and most people know the story of how he made Adam. He took his hands. I want y'all to think about this, how personal that was. God himself took his hands and formed man from the dust of the earth, from the clay, and made a man. But uh, Roxanne and Ace, the Bible says that man was not a living soul yet. He, he was just a statue. Uh, but then God breathed life into Adam and Adam became a living soul. Now we've heard that before, but many people automatically think about the spirit of God breathing his breath because that's what uh, spirit means is breath. So he breathed himself into Adam and Adam became a living soul. But what I want to let you, I want to remind you that Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11 says, the life of the flesh is in the blood. So we're going to get a little deep here on the podcast on Good Friday, because the reality is this, that yes, he breathed spirit into man. Yes, we are a spirit man that possess a soul, emotions, a mind, and intellect, and we live in a body. So we are a triune being creating the image of a triune God. One God exists in three persons. We are one person that exists in three different parts of us, spirit, soul, and body. So yes, he breathed his spirit into us. So the spirit man that is in all of us, it came directly from the breath of God. But if Leviticus tells us the life of the flesh is in the blood, we have have to really get deep and think about, well, where did that blood come from? Because, you know, we were all born inside our mama's belly. So we all got blood from our mama. Well, Adam didn't have a mama. Okay. Think about this. <laughs> the, 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 the running joke is what are the two things that, uh, that Adam and Eve did not have that we all have. And that's belly buttons. They didn't have belly buttons, y'all, because they were not fed from their mama, right? Mm -hmm. So they were created, they were instantly created, not as babies, but as grown people that could replenish the earth together. So the question has to be then on this Good Friday, well, if the life of the flesh is in the blood and man became a living soul, then it makes sense that not only did God breathe his breath and his spirit in the man, he had to breathe blood into that man because the human body has to have blood to, to, to survive and to live. So where did he get that blood? So here's how we get deep. 
The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. The lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Now, this might mess your mind up. This might mess your theology up. But the reality is this. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the one that was and is and is to come. So the word of God, the the, the second part of the triune part of the Godhead became flesh and dwelt among us. But before he ever became flesh and dwelt among us, he was the word of God. He was spirit. But in order for there to be blood to go into the bottom of Adam, into the body of Adam, there had to to be blood in heaven. Where did they get that blood from? What well, I'm going to submit to you, and then we'll talk about this, and I want to get your thoughts on this, and then I'm going to really explain this to everybody. So my, so as I've studied this, I've realized that the New Testament actually calls Jesus the final Adam. So there's the first Adam, and then there's the final Adam. So when he said, it is finished, what did he really mean by that? It wasn't just, it is finished, I've now made a way for people to to get saved, it is finished was the statement of completion of the prophecy of the garden when they fell into sin and he said to the serpent, there's a seed coming of the woman that you will bruise his heel. And when you bruise his heel, thinking that you've injected your poison into him to take him out, he will actually crush your head. So I'm going to tell you that the cross, the reason we call it Good Friday is because it it is the culmination of the plan that began at the creation of man. So the word of God said, we're going to make man in our image, but we both, we, we know within the Godhead, God, the Godhead knew that he was going to fail. He was not perfect. And from the very beginning, the lamb said, I'll go. So the, where did that blood from Adam come? I'm going to get right to that. What do y'all think about that so far? Ooh. This is good. This is about to get good. Y'all. Oh, I have chills. I've never really thought about it that way. You know, as a new believer, I guess I heard that he's a lamb. I'm like, well, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Well, it required a spotless, perfect, Absolutely. sinless lamb yep. sacrifice. That's right. That's right. And Larry, I never really, like, we always look at Adam and Eve as an example of what not to do. I never really thought about that they were <laughs> placed here originally as the idea of setting a good example. Mm, it never they, even dawned on me. Absolutely. In fact, if you really want to get deep with, with Adam and Eve, when they were created, they were perfect because they were created perfectly in the image of God. Now, I want, now let's go, let's go a little deeper and say this. So they were created in the image of God. So they, the, the spirit man was birthed at that moment, but the flesh man was birthed at that moment as well. And the blood had to be put into them. So the book of Hebrews talks about the blood of Jesus. It talks about Jesus entering into the holy place of heaven with his own blood. And per, for once, for all mankind, it says, for if the blood of bulls and goats were enough, there would be no need for another sacrifice. So he entered in with his own blood. So here's the reality. If Jesus, 
We know that Jesus was, cons- the word became flesh in the womb of a virgin. There was no man involved there. The Holy Spirit moved upon Mary and then she conceived of the Holy Ghost. So here's the thing. There's a big debate. A lot of people, you know, wonder, did, did he get his blood from Mary? I submit that he did not. I submit that Mary became the tabernacle that protected him for nine months. I believe that when the Holy Spirit moved upon the Virgin Mary, the same way in us, in sort of the same way that what happened in the garden happened in that womb, that there is perfect blood that is in heaven that was created from the very beginning that was put in Adam. That was actually the blood that was prepared for Jesus. But because Adam was created in the image of God, Jesus's blood, come on. I know y'all going to don't check out on me now. Don't, don't call me a false prophet yet till I finish this thing. Jesus's blood, blood, the perfect blood, because in that same chapter in the book of Hebrews, where it, or excuse me, in the book of Hebrews chapter one, is a, it's like a conversation between God the Father and God the Son. And the Bible says, the Son says to the Father, for you have created me a body. So the reality is this, the, the moving of the conception over Mary, when Mary conceived Jesus in the womb of a virgin, I believe the same way the blood came into Jesus in that, per- which was an untainted blood. There was no blood. There was no sin that was tainted from the garden, passed down through generations. It was perfect blood, just like it was perfect blood in the blood of Adam. Now, listen to this. When they fail, remember when they fail, the, the famous curse uh, that was spoken to the serpent happened. He says, on your belly, on your belly, all your days of your life, you shall now crawl on your belly. You won't be able to walk anymore this way. And he says, and, and you're going to latch out. You're going to eat dust. Well, what is man made of? Dust. You're going you're gonna to devour man. You're going to eat flesh because that's who you are. You want to steal, kill, and destroy. But I want you to know something. You're going to think there's coming a day that there is the seed of a woman. And we understand what that means. The seed of a woman. She's going to give birth to a child. And you're going to know that there's something very significantly different about this child. And you're going to want to kill. You're going to try to kill him over and over and over again. And then one day, eventually, you you as a snake, that serpent, that devil, he's saying this in the garden, y'all, in the garden, because of the fallen nature of Adam and Eve and what they've done, they've tainted the blood. They had perfect blood. God would come down and walk with them in the cool of the day. They had an intimate relationship with God, but that all stopped when they ate of the fruit because why? The blood was tainted. Sin came in, but he said, there's going to come a day that you're going to reach out. You're going to latch those fangs in the spirit realm, and you're going to rejoice in all of heaven and all of hell and all, all everywhere around. People's going, all your little imps are going to be excited that you have finally shut up God and you have finally shut up this prophesied seed and you're going to inject his poison and you're going to latch on to him and you're going to rejoice because you're going to think that you have killed him. But what you don't realize is you have played right into God's hands because your injection of your poison that looks like you've killed him will be a temporary thing because it will complete all of this. And when he said it is finished, ladies and gentlemen, on the cross, it was not, he was not finished. By the way, he, he didn't say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. And what he meant by that was, 
The plan to restore man that fell in the garden when the blood was tainted, and I told that devil this day was coming. It is finished. But ladies and gentlemen, let me just tell you something. Good Friday is called Good Friday because it's not the end of the story. He said it is finished, but I'm about to show you that he was not finished. It is finished. The Genesis prophecy where the blood was redeemed was finished, but he was not finished. Ooh. I have chills. Incredible. Well, and I love the idea, too, of thinking of how God protected Mary, not only during the nine months, but her whole life. Like no one ever once saw her as a threat that it would be possible that she could conceive the Savior that could undo all that was done for so many years. It's it's kind of and, and it's a great reminder of that God does have our lives orchestrated so that when we do stumble, when we do fall, we learn our lessons and we press forward because of the cross, because of what Jesus gave for our lives. Yeah, yeah. And think think about this. So so t- talking about Mary, and of course we know uh her cousin, uh Elizabeth. And then of course Elizabeth bears the son John the Baptist. And we know the famous story where they meet each other while they're both in the wombs and they leap within each other. Why? Because they're a part of this grand plan that, you know, there's the forerunner. So John the Baptist, he grows up, he becomes an adult. He goes out in the wilderness. I mean, what a wild man, y'all. I mean, dressed in camel's <laughs> hair. I mean, he got he yeah. got locust, uh, locust legs coming out of his teeth and all that, eating that high-protein locust meat and, uh, you know, honey and, and all that kind of stuff. And then and all of a sudden, he just comes out of the wilderness. Y'all think about this. He just comes out. He just knows. There's the Spirit of God just leads him out because the Bible says he was filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb when he met, when he met Jesus. So the Spirit brings him back out of the, the, the very wilderness that led him in, brings him back out. He starts preaching this message. Repent, repent, be converted because there is one coming after me. I'm just making the way. There's one coming after me whose shoes I'm not even worthy to stoop down and loosen. Well, I, I, I indeed baptized you with water into repentance, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Now that's his cousin. He don't really, I don't know how much he knew at that time or whatever, but he knew his cousin. He was raised with his cousin mm-hmm. and, and Jesus all along was knowing, man, if you only knew who I was, cuz, if I could just tell you fully who I am, <laughs> you know, and, and all along Jesus, the, the spirit and the, the 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 God part of of, of the God man Jesus is inside going this is, this is coming this is coming this is coming one day you don't know John this and one day John's just in the water and listen to what he says y'all this is important for you to understand uh, for you understand Good Friday and of course Resurrection Sunday he looks up and he sees the same cousin that he's seen for over thirty years they've been raised with played with grew up with and he sees him coming down the banks of the River Jordan and instead of hollering out at his name like he had done so many times. Who knows how many times he'd come down to the bank of Jordan, looked at his cousin, waved at him, said, I'm proud of you and all this. He looks at him that day, and there's something different about him that day. And he proclaims, listen to what he says, Roxanne. He says, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Now, remember what I told you what Hebrew said. If it would have been possible for the blood of bulls and goats to cover, to take away the sins of man, there would be no need for another lamb. The only lamb that's ever been proclaimed to be able to take away and not just cover the sins 
was the Lamb of God. And he comes down into the water and he stands in front of his cousin. And all of a sudden, the glory of God comes on John. And he goes, you need to baptize me. You need to baptize me. I'm not worthy at this moment. He said, no, it has to be done. Everything has to be done this way. They have to see it. I'm not doing it for you, John. I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it for everybody that's watching. This is the process that you have to come through to get to me. Everything that's about to happen has to happen this way. And he baptizes him. He comes up out of the water and the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove, in the form of a dove comes and lifts down, lights down upon his shoulders. And a voice comes out of heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He comes out of that water. He is led by the spirit into the wilderness. He faces and fights the devil for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. He comes down off the mountain and preaches, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He walks straight into the tabernacle where he's done many times as the son of Joseph. He finds the scroll of Isaiah and the Bible says he opens it up. All the Levitical priests are going, that's, that's, that's a good boy right there. That's old Joseph's boy. Read, nobody reads the Bible like him. Go ahead and read that Bible. Go ahead and read prophet. He opens it up and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to open blinded eyes, to set the captives free. And then he goes and does something that's going to blow everybody's mind that you may or may not know this there, because Passover is, just happened this week. This is Good Friday. Passover this year happened two days ago on Wednesday. And here's the reality. All over the world, people will, will set a table at Passover, the cedar meal. And they will leave an empty plate and an empty chair for Elijah the prophet. Just like on the platform of that place of, uh, that Jesus read the scroll of Isaiah, there was an empty chair. No, nobody sat in it. It was Elijah's chair. But the Bible says when he got through reading Isaiah, he closed the scroll and then he sat down. Y'all, there wasn't but one place to sit down, and that was Elijah's chair. And when he sat down in Elijah's chair, he said, this day, this prophecy is fulfilled in your ears. And they turned on him at that moment. And he was no longer the son of Joseph. He was no longer the carpenter's boy. He was enemy number one and the enemy tried to kill him. They tried to push him off a cliff and kill him that day. But the Bible said it wasn't time yet. He had to walk through the crowd. He walked through the crowd and they didn't even see him. For three and a half years, y'all, he preached the gospel. For three and a half years, he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. And at the end of the three and a half years, he got up and he left his hometown, his adopted hometown of Capernaum, and he rode a donkey into Jerusalem. And they put the palm branches. We just had Palm Sunday. They were waving the palm branches, crying, Hosanna, Hosanna. But within a matter of days, he would be strapped to a pole. He would be taking 39 stripes on his back for our healing, y'all. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we were healed. It should have killed him, but it didn't kill him. Why? Because it wasn't time. You know why it wasn't time? Can I go ahead and finish this thing? Can I go ahead and finish this thing? Because I'm going to tell you why it wasn't time, y'all. Y'all y'all listening, y'all watching, y'all about to get saved if you ain't saved, because the Holy Ghost about to arrest you right now, because I'm about to show you something. He couldn't die at the, at the flogging pole. He could couldn't die when they tried to pass, push him off the mountain because he was not just a man, a good man. He was not just a prophet. He was not just a teacher. He was the lamb of God. He was the promised seed of, uh, of the woman from the garden. He was everything. He was the, the go-between and he had to die at a specific time. He could have not just died whenever he just, his, the Holy Spirit kept him alive. Why? Because ladies and gentlemen, he died on Passover. He died on Passover on the very day that thousands of families from all over the region would be bringing a lamb strapped around their shoulders, bringing them to be sacrificed while they were in the temple, lining up families, lining up with the lambs from their home to be slain. There was a lamb being high and lifted up on Golgotha at the very moment 
Now, if I could, if if I could take two more minutes, I'm going to show. I'm going to tell the listeners something that's going to blow your mind. In the in in biblical times, there was there was in, in the in the Word of God. There's two words that that is used in the Greek for for lamb. One is a lamb that is in the field that you see out in a pasture. Another is a word that is used for a personal lamb. It is a lamb that is almost like a pet, and it is one that is raised in the home of a family. Well, that is the word. That word, the personal, friendly, pet lamb, is the word that was used when John said, behold the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Why? Because that lamb that would be raised once a year, every Jewish family would raise a lamb from birth. The kids would play with it. It would get to be known in the family. It would eat the scraps from the table. It would become a part of the family. And one of the most heartbreaking things that they ever had to do is that dad, that husband knew that at Passover, they would have to grab that lamb, get the boys to come with him and strap him on his shoulders and walk to Jerusalem to be slain. And right before they did it, y'all, this is why it's called Good Friday. Stay with me just for a couple more minutes. I'm about to tell you why they call it Good Friday. I'm going to tell you why the words, it is finished. I'm going to tell you why the sun went dark. I'm going to tell you why the earth began to shake. I'm going to tell you why when he said it is finished, that the, the veil that stood between man and the holy place was ripped in two from top to bottom. This is why. Because just before that family would take that lamb out of their home, they would take a string and they would wrap it around the neck of that lamb and they would take a little piece of copper plate and they would hammer in the the name of their family. If it was my house, there would be raglan would be on that thing, on that little tag, and they would tie it around that neck. And that as they would walk up to the priest, the Levitical priest in the temple on Passover, they would the little boys would be crying because they loved that lamb so much. And the and, but but the daddy knew what had to happen. And he would take that lamb off with that little tag with their name around it. And the Levitical priest would say, What is the name of this family? And what family does this sins cover? And I, if it would have been me, I would have said, This is for the sins of the house of Raglan. And they would take it and they would verify by that tag and they would stick that knife in there and the blood would be shed. Ladies and gentlemen, that was the name of the family. When they nailed Jesus upon that cross on Good Friday, they nailed a plaque above his head in three different languages. And in that day and time, because of, they didn't have time to write it out, they took the first letter of each word and they put those, that's where we get many many in the Catholic church and, and those that have the Catholic crosses, you see the I-N-R-I, Enri is what we call it. Uh, but those are the Latin words of King of the Jews. And But in the Jewish language, King of the Jews is spelled this way, yud have vav Now, Now, what you may not know is that is the secret name of God. That is the name of Jehovah. That is how you spell Jehovah. Yud have vav have. And the people, the, the religious priests looked up and said, take that sign down. Take that sign down. And they said, we're not taking it down. They said, we'll at least change it to, he said he is the king of the Jews. The reason they did that is because they knew if they wrote, he said he's king of the Jews, it would mess up the wording. But they said, what is done is done. So every time anyone at the base of that cross looked up on that Good Friday, they saw the tag of the name of the house that he represented. Yud, Hav, Vav, Hav was wrapped around the neck of the lamb. And when he said it is finished, he was not just dying for the Jewish people. He was dying for every human being that was ever created in the image of Jehovah God. Our lamb, 
our lamb, our family's name was above his head. And when he died on Passover, that is why it's called Good Friday. Amen. Woo! I, 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 need, I need to run around this place right now. That's good. We're going to pass the offering plate. Come on, come on. Ushers, come what, on down right now. What an incredible thing. It's just, it's beyond words. And, it's deep. And, it's and the deep, way you, And the way you say it goes back to Genesis, it all ties together. Every bit of it. So it's good. full circle. It's full circle. In fact, I tell people all the time, if you want to know what the world's going to look like in eternity, go back and read the Garden of Eden. Because if you read the Garden of Eden and you read the New Jerusalem that's in Revelation, you see that everything is coming full circle. God is going to come back to his will in that garden. And when he said that to the serpent, when you bruise his heel, he's going to crush your head. The devil didn't understand mm. what he meant. God mm. knew exactly what he meant. The word, of, the word became flesh and dwelt among us for that very reason. And of course, he dies on the cross. The veil is ripped in two from top to bottom. But that's, he said it is finished, but he wasn't finished. His mm. body laid in that tomb for three days. It was sealed and protected by Roman guards. But on the third day, the stone was rolled away. And, and my favorite part about the whole story of Resurrection Sunday, y'all, is this. It, it, of course, it's that he came back from, from the dead. But how awesome is it that he took the time to sort of hang out, y'all? He, he, he done all of this. This was, this was in the plans from the garden, y'all. And here he is finishing the plan. He's come out of the tomb. He's alive after three days. And he takes the time to hang out in the garden long enough to see Mary. Mary comes by to check on him. She's free. He knew she was going to freak out. She's freaking out. What has happened? Where have they taken my Lord's body? She's distraught. And she walks right past this guy. She don't even know it's him. Why does she not know it's him? She mistakes him as the gardener. She, why does she not know it's him? Because he is the priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. He was dressed in white linen. He had a white turban on. Why? Because he was about to do something that would change all eternity for all of us. And I think we read right over this part, Ace. I think we read right over this part, Roxanne, is we know the story where she doesn't recognize him. He says, Mary. And she turns around and she runs to him. And listen to what he says. Mary, do not touch me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go into Jerusalem and tell my disciples that I ascend to my father and I will come to them. So there's not one ascension to heaven. There was two. So between the time that Mary saw Jesus and the time that Jesus walked in the room where Mary had already got to and she was telling them that she had seen him alive and she's in the room with the disciples and then he walks in. And then all of a sudden he said, touch me. You don't believe me? Touch the scars. Totally different. Why? Looks different, looks just like the Jesus they knew. Why? Because between that time, Hebrews tells us, he took his own blood, sinless blood. He who knew no sin became sin. And the Bible says in Hebrews, he entered into the holy place as the priest, as our mediator between man and God, the man Christ Jesus. And he placed his own spotless, perfect blood on that altar. And there is no decay and there is no death in heaven. So, ladies and gentlemen, when we get to heaven one day, and oh, by the way, he came down and walked around and showed himself for 40 days by many infallible proofs that he was alive, meaning he wanted to make sure everybody knew he was alive. Mm -hmm. But when we go to heaven one day, I believe, I believe we will see the Ark of the Covenant. 
because yeah. down here was the model that's up there, and there will be the blood. Ooh. It will be a, it will be as fresh as the <sighs> day he put it on there, mm-hmm. because it really was finished. That Good Friday, he shed his blood because the life of the flesh is in the blood, and he shed his blood for our sins and took it to the Holy of Holies. Mm. Larry Ragland, you are just an incredible conduit vehicle vessel for our Lord. That was incredible. Just mm. absolutely incredible. And I think Ace and I need to make it a whole separate podcast <laughs> because there is nothing more important to our lives yes. than the gospel message of Jesus Christ, Amen. which comes to the cross and this and the fact that we're saved of our sins. We have everlasting yes. life. Yes. That's it. That's the core. And yeah. you just bring it to life. Thank well, you I'm, so much. Well, thank you. And I'm sorry that I talk so much, but when I get going talking about the blood of Jesus, it's hard for me to stop. <laughs> Good. Brother Larry, thanks for your time, man, and uh, have a happy Easter. You too. And thank you to all the listeners. And thank you for everyone that's supporting Ace and Roxanne and all that they do. I could not be happier. I'm your biggest fans, guys. I love you guys. <laughs> and I thank you for the for the opportunity. And I want to say to all the, the, the listeners out there, if you don't know Jesus Christ, what better day to receive him as your personal Savior and accept that into your life than on Good Friday or whenever you're watching this. Thank you again. That's going to wrap up another great week of Unlimited. We hope you have an amazing Easter and that you've had a great Lent. And, of course, subscribe, follow us, like us, find us on all platforms so that way you don't miss future episodes. And we'll continue to spend every Friday together. Have a great weekend. And, Roxanne, I love you. And I will not pelt you with anything. Oranges, anything else? That's That's why That's why I'm too wimpy to even do paintball. Because you're right. It will leave a mark. Nobody comes back from that. Not really. Not without some counseling. (laughs) Love you, my friend. You've been listening to Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. To make sure you don't miss future shows, you can subscribe anywhere you like to podcast and catch up on anything you've missed. Find out more at RoxanneandAce.com. Roxanne and Ace Unlimited is a production of Spacebird Media.